Bienvenidos a la comunidad internacional de béisbol. Aquí está su anfitrión, David Burns. Hey guys, it's David Burns, and this is episode number 21 of the International Baseball Community Podcast. Today I have Ryan Flynn back on the podcast. I'm super stoked to have him back, but this time we're going to focus on his story and how it led to his current role as the CEO of Baseball New Zealand. He goes into a little more depth than he did in episode 17 as to where he went, how he went about it, and how he built his resume to land that job as CEO in Baseball New Zealand. I would also like to take this episode as an opportunity to talk a little bit about making the most of your opportunity once you do get signed on somewhere. As a first-year player, there's many things that you can do right that can uh, lead to bigger and better things in baseball, whether it's on the field or off the field. Sometimes it leads to other things that aren't even baseball-related. Uh, if you look at uh, myself, for example, I came over to Austria in 1999. Uh, it was a one-year thing, and I kind of blew it. I didn't really keep in shape and, and do the things I should have done. Uh, but I met somebody, and, and long story short, I'm now living in Austria, and I have a couple of kids, and I uh, have a pretty cool job, where which allows me to travel around Europe coaching uh, basketball and baseball. And it also allows me to play baseball because my summers are off. So uh, that never would have happened if I didn't take the leap and come over here. And I got a little bit lucky. But there's some things that you guys can be doing once you're over here, uh, wherever that is, uh, that can be uh, solidifying a, a long-term career in baseball if that's what you desire. So let's go through a list of do's and don'ts, okay? A list of do's and don'ts in your first year as an international baseball player. Do number one, coach. Often you're required to coach, but if you're not, volunteer. Get out there, help with the youth program, uh, help with the adult program, whether it's the men's second and third division or it's softball. Just volunteer. Be a helpful person, and uh, it's only going to come back uh, tenfold for you. What you should not do, the first don't, is sit around playing video games, which I know a lot of you love to do. I'm addicted to a few of them. Uh, Call of Duty, Skyrim, I kind of got into some of those, but I manage it once a week, tops, if that even. So uh, I think you need to, you know, take advantage of every minute that you're here and you don't want to be spending it doing things you could do back home. So don't play video games. Do uh, volunteer to help the club off the baseball field as well as far as the development and pro promotion of the club. Uh, it's only going to help you build your baseball resume and it's also going to make them happy. And then when they're happy, they're going to be treating you even better and also they'll be providing you with uh, future recommendations. So it's a win-win situation. Do not fall out of game shape. Falling out of game shape uh, is actually easier uh, to be to to happen than than you can imagine, because often you're over here, you're the only import, and uh, everybody else is at work or with families, and often you're alone. And sometimes you can fall into a rut, find yourself uh, getting lazy, and uh, next thing you know, you're out of game shape, you're not performing at your top level, and they're not asking you back for a second year, and that's the end of your international baseball career and that once in a lifetime opportunity. Do offer to help uh, the national team. Uh, that's always going to get you even more exposure and really add to your to your baseball resume. 
So if you can help out on a national level and get involved that way, then that's definitely an excellent uh, thing to take advantage of. Do not party all the time. Nobody wants a drunk. So if you're out every single day or every second day drinking, uh, it's it's not going to leave a good impression. And you're obviously not going to perform as well. I think it's cool to go out and, and, and hang out with the guys in the club now and then, but uh, don't make it a daily thing. So do not become the party animal. Uh, do meet people, network, meet, meet players on other teams, other international baseball players, travel, meet people in your travels. You never know what it can lead to. Uh, be, you know, just get to know people, the fans, uh, the, the, the people off the field as well. Uh, so many opportunities can pop up. Uh, do not complain. Uh, complain actually is something that does happen quite a bit because a lot of players come over and they do not, uh, or they set their expectations too high. They don't have a clear picture of what they're getting into. You need to realize that a lot of these clubs are on low budgets and they haven't been playing baseball as long as you have or haven't had the quality coaching that you've had. So things are quite a bit different. So don't find yourself complaining about everything. Be appreciative for what you have, even if it's only a few hundred bucks a month. Uh, a lot of people would die to be in your shoes. So you have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Make the most out of it. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. And let's go to the last do. I would just say be friendly. That's a big one. Just be friendly. Even if it isn't in your nature to, to be an outgoing person, just for this one time, just be friendly, be outgoing, get to know people, and uh, it's just it's only going to get you further while you're here, if, if, if anything less. And uh, lastly, don't get angry when they make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes behind you, uh, so just just get used to it. Suck it up, have a good time, and be a good guy. So that's about it. Uh, I'm going to get on to the podcast interview now with Ryan Flynn, the CEO of Baseball New Zealand, and his story on his international travels outside of baseball and inside baseball and how it led to that role. Powered by Middle Punk Media, your sports marketing agency. We put sports center stage. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, David. Uh, this time, that you know, in the, the previous interview, we we touched base on uh, a little bit about your story and how it led to your your role in in New Zealand as the CEO. Uh, and I found that quite interesting because you mentioned that you played in Guam. Uh, sorry, that you 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 yeah, actually you played in Guam, but also you you yep. were over there in a more of a management role as well to help develop the yep. league. So. Um, where, how did how did your international career start? Where did it start? Were you a player, or was it uh, you know behind the scenes, or uh, yeah? Can you just take us through the beginning of when the first thought came to your head as to I'm going to take my career overseas? Sure. Yeah. I, you know, near the end of my college career, in the middle of my college career, I wasn't really in my playing level didn't take it where I was on a scholarship at my college, but it didn't. It didn't go where I wanted to go. So I, I, you know, the writing was on the wall that I wasn't going to get signed uh, or play professional ball. So really, when I ended my college baseball uh, career, my college career educationally as well, I really just wanted to go and see the world. And um, I didn't even look at baseball as doing that for me. I was a writer and a communications minor, and I looked at more 
uh, I didn't know what was out there in baseball, and I knew baseball wasn't as strong in Europe, and that's where I was heading. So I I just uh, ran around the world a little bit for a while, and and ran right back into baseball. Kind of wherever I went, um, baseball happened to be there, and I would I'd get involved because that's what I knew, and um, and then it, and then the love came back to me, and I did play a little bit. Um, in England, and I played a little bit, you know, I, then I played a number of years in Guam, but at the same time, I was building um, an off-the-field resume as a, as a, well, somewhat as a coach and, and, and somewhat as, as an administrator. Um, so I was really a jack-of-all-trades and master of uh, certainly none of them, for sure. Okay, and okay. so how did that come about? Like, how did you start building up that resume? Were you volunteering to help with the club? You know, behind the scenes, uh, uh, in addition to to playing with these clubs. Well, I got to London and um, I got a job promoting games between the New York Mets and the Boston Red Sox minor leaguers at the Oval Cricket Ground, and it was a real random thing. I saw a flyer on a telephone pole or one of the red uh, phone boxes in in London, and I was over there with a buddy from college just to start seeing the world and and and. And go on some adventures after graduation, and and I was pretty aggressive though about trying to build a portfolio at the same time, and and they hired me pretty quickly, and I spent four or five months um, really doing everything, writing the program, getting fans to the game, uh, taking around the Boston Red Sox uh, players around um, London as a kind of a tour guide, and so I got to know some folks in Major League Baseball, and um, and, and and then I. And then I moved to Guam um, after that, and and I moved as a journalist, um, so not even a sports journalist, but um, I started playing baseball in their men's league, which was fairly competitive. And um, that was a way for me to get into the community and get to know people just by playing because it's it's I was still young and and could play a little bit and and. And then I um, soon after I took over the national program when I realized that uh, they were they could play and they had a chance to get into the 2000 Olympics because um, the Oceania region had an opening. Uh, Australia was the host nation of the 2000 Olympics, obviously, and they they had an automatic uh, bid um, into the 2000 Olympics. So Guam had a real chance mm-hmm. uh, to get into that into those games. So uh, it, it really a lot of it was by chance, David. It wasn't a, a master plan to become a baseball administrator. It's just one of the things I knew how to do, and and I uh, developed a passion for it, and um, and that's where it went. That's, that's pretty. That's, that is totally by chance. Like I, I'm, I was quite surprised to hear that you you uh, saw a flyer in London of all places about about uh, about baseball. So I was uh, yeah I'm a little surprised. So that's well, there's I, less. There's there's less. There was less baseball then than there is now yeah. in Europe. You're talking '93, wow. and it really caught me by surprise as well. And and um, again, it wasn't the main goal. I was writing for Time Out magazine. I was their basketball correspondent, mm-hmm. believe it or not, for the United for the entire United Kingdom for a while. And I I worked for NHL hockey. Um, I promoted the games between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the and the New York Rangers the year the Rangers won the. Um, Stanley Cup, um, so, yeah. <laughs> ninety three. Yeah, that's right. So I was they they won. I think they won. Was it, it, it they won that after the the London 
uh, games when they played those two exhibitions they won that year. Was it the 94 Stanley Cup, I guess? Actually, or was I it? When you... thinking, no, I was just thinking, I think it's the 94 Stanley Cup they won. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah. it really was just kind of running around, seeing the world and doing what I love, which is really traveling. And, and, and then when you travel and, and, and find a few good gigs that, um, that bring you back to what you know and what you love. And it really wasn't until Guam that I started seeing that I could do this for, for as a career, yeah. you know, get off the field uh, as a player and a coach and behind the scenes, but out front behind the scenes and, and build baseball programs. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is kind of part of the theme today. Other, uh, you know, it's kind of like a side story with your story is, is, Yep. You know, how do we, how do you, how does someone go about building a baseball program from, from, you know, like, for example, when you got to Guam, what were some of the first things you put into place or where did you, where did you see that the needs were in some of these, you know, uh, just to get an idea of overseas, it's going to be a little different, maybe a little disorganized. So if someone comes in, uh, what were, what were some of the immediate things that you saw needed to be done? Yeah, I, I, you're right. Organization was a big thing. I think putting uh, systems structure in, in place and, you know, I, it, it's really getting a lot of people on side with a little bit of passion and energy first is trying to get as many allies as possible and build up a, a strong board of directors and build up a strong list of sponsors, even in-kind sponsors, a hotel sponsor, a car rental sponsor, uh, a graphic designer, a website guy or gal, and, and just trying to find a group of people that believe and are moving in the same direction for a while um, and, and light a fire under some people uh, to, to allow the players to play and the coaches to coach and the umpires to umpire. And that, that's been, you know, I, I think Guam was kind of my training ground for everything that's come after, really, uh, in life. And it was a good place to do that. Um, you know, they, they can play baseball in Guam because, you know, they played since 1898 when the Americans took the island from the Spanish. Um, and, you know, I, I guess, so you have the players and you have the athletes and you have some coaches, and it's really just building an organization. And, and I, I, some of it is just common sense, David. Yeah. I mean, it's saying, well, what do we need? Well, we need money. You know, we need resources. We need we need this. We need that. And putting a, a strategy together. And and that that on Guam was really a volunteer job. I was the speechwriter for the governor, and I was the marketing director for Anheuser Busch, um, their distributor in Guam. And they allowed me to do baseball on the side, basically, which is really another full time job. Um, but again, that's where I cut my teeth. And, and, it, and it's interesting. I, I know there aren't a lot of, um, you know, I look at baseball around the world, other than the countries that are playing at a very high level, you know, what countries can rise up. And it, it seems to me it happens by chance sometimes, yeah. you know, because we don't have a FIFA that puts a ton of money into baseball like football or soccer does. And so you have Major League Baseball and you have Japan, you have professional baseball leagues is really the only ones that can that can subsidize baseball. So a lot of what I did, too, was link up with the Atlanta Braves and MLB and go after them for their support, um, which I'm doing at, at, at an entirely different level here in New Zealand. But, um, you know, it, it's putting together a strong organization, finding allies, working with the media, uh, making sure the media is on your side. And then getting the kids and the coaches to believe that they can be great 
in, in developing a pipeline to colleges and professional baseball in America, North America, and around the world, and, and, and really putting everything into place, finding a good accountant, finding um, this, finding that. And I'm sorry to run all over on a tangent right now, but really that's the way my life has gone. It's been uh, a little here and a little there, and it's kind of culminated with New Zealand, really, Um, and and being the nation that has more potential than I've ever seen in my life uh, to rise up in the baseball world. Well, that's that's the thing. Yeah, you, it's a much bigger scale than 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 Guam. That's for sure. So, you, sure. And, and I understand sure. you, you you there's there's obviously many aspects to it, and and you just kind of need to identify where the needs are and 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 go with it. Um, maybe you know before we move on to New Zealand, I just want to you know I know it was a while back, but are do you think there are opportunities for for others to go over to places like Guam? Because that never even never even occurred to me. So I'm I'm assuming maybe Philippines, Guam, maybe there's you know, uh, opportunities for baseball, uh, baseball. There are. I had a, I had a, I had a coach contact me from Thailand the other day, and you know, Johnny Damon played for Thailand, and a bunch of American kids in the WBC against us. And the Philippines actually has a pretty long history with baseball, and have had some good youth little league teams over the years go against the Guam teams in the Asia Pacific Little League. And you know, it, it, it does take a different kind of person uh, to venture. You know, it, it's one thing to go play yeah. in, in in various parts of the world, or and to get a playing gig or to coach. Um, but it, as you can imagine, there aren't many people that really run programs and build them up um, around the world. There aren't that many. You know, it's a small niche. Yeah. Um, and, and can it be done? Absolutely. Um, sometimes it happens through going to another country with a different job or winging it a little bit. And then working your way into the baseball program. And really, baseball people are all the same around the world. If they see somebody working hard, you know, wanting to, to grow the game and, and bringing their abilities, you know, they're going to get on the bus with you. And um, I do think there are opportunities that are not advertised around the world. But again, it takes a special kind of uh, um, crazed individual to uh, run around the world and try to grab on to some of these opportunities. Obviously, New Zealand was a job offer um, that I took, um, you know, and and I, there was a number of candidates, but um, Guam wasn't. And 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 like you said, I uh, Philippines, Thailand, um, I know Pakistan. I, I talked to a lot of baseball people around the world, and they're they're trying to get up to the next level. It's just brutal in in countries with very little funding for the game. You know, there may be a decent amount of interest, but it's trying to generate that interest and chicken and egg kind of stuff. You have a lot of people who want to play the game, but no money to grow the game and no international body to put money into the game. So you've really got to figure things out in a in a in a way you've got to be very creative and and put a lot of hours in to try to find resources because with really without resources you know you know and 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 some funds you you're it's not going to happen yeah you know? yeah and that's and that's true with a lot of these these european countries you know there's just that's there's, right the funding's just not there and it just is stagnant the players are developing and and i you know a lot a lot of that's due to the 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 import players that are coming over and coaches but but really, as far as you know, you know, improvement facilities, uh, 
you know, in the, in the structure of baseball within the league, it, it you know, it really doesn't develop too too fast without the funding, and it's difficult when you're talking about baseball in a country where where they're you know they're avid soccer fans. So so we're competing against. Yeah, that's uh, right. Well, that, that's that's right. But look at soccer and, and some other sports. Look at FIFA, yeah. for example. Yeah. FIFA puts hundreds of thousands of dollars into small islands like Guam to build infrastructure and to put coaches on the ground on Guam. Yeah. You know, you know, in, in baseball doesn't have that. Now you can make an argument. Well, many sports don't have a FIFA, right? Um, obviously. And I don't, I don't know what, what FIBA does, what basketball, international basketball does. Um, but you know, major league baseball is trying to take more of a leadership role. You know, you look at what they do in Australia. They have an office in Australia. They, they, you know, and then they put in 3.2 million or they own 75% of the Australian Baseball League. So Australia has been for Owen and some people you know, has been a hotbed for young American kids to go over and play club baseball Mm -hmm. and try to work their way up into the ABL and be seen and scouted. And that's happened. Uh, you know, more than a few times in the last couple of years and, and, and opportunities to coach there as well. And, and hopefully we can get to that point by anchoring to MLB in Australia. That's the goal and almost becoming another state for a while of Australia until we can rise up on our own, um, which is obviously the plan. And, And, you know, Asia, if you look at Japan, Korea and Taiwan, they're pretty settled right now. They're baseball powers, obviously. And then you have China, mainland China, as the fourth-ranked nation in Asia. And MLB has a presence in there. And that's been a little up and down from from what I've heard. But um, I think you've got to make your, your own opportunities. You know, New York, MLB New York controls some of this. And if you can get in the good graces of, of them sometimes as a young coach um, or administrator – there are opportunities that open up, especially if some people have foreign language skills um, through Major League Baseball as they start branching out with the WBC and more opportunities internationally. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely think that you know the future looks good for New Zealand with the the current growth rate that you expressed in the last uh, podcast episode, and maybe you know, yeah. maybe New Zealand is the next Australia. <coughs> yeah. Um, for the traveling baseball player. I know that uh, there aren't a, a ton of opportunities in New Zealand right now, but it looks like the like no. like we talked about down the road. Uh, you know, there it could be it could it could open up pretty good. Uh, let's let's go back to when did you first come to New Zealand? So you, you applied for the job, you saw a job opening there as the CEO, and yep. uh, and now it was actually it was actually an EO role. They wanted me on the field and off both, okay, um, doing a little bit of everything. So they wanted me coaching. Um, which which isn't a problem, you know. I'm an Olympic certified coach, and 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 so that's what I came out for, and that was in a three month trial period in September of 2009 without my family, mm-hmm. um, and we assessed if it would work for them, if they liked me, uh, the board of baseball New Zealand, the directors, and if I liked them, mm-hmm. and if if we thought it would gel, and pretty quickly after about a month, we I thought. You know, this could work. And I think they agreed that that, you know, they they basically let me really jump, jump into the to the program. Um, There was some good ball players here, but there weren't many. And um, and there wasn't much baseball. There was only three clubs in the country um, and a small club in 
uh, Christchurch and a little bit of baseball in Northland up on the north, the north end of the North Island. Yeah. And, um, but I think the, the thing that, the thing that we all see is just the potential of this country. So I came out for three months, said yes, signed a contract, went home to Edmonds, Washington, just north of Seattle and packed everything up, sold everything and, um, brought my family out in January, 2010. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So that was it. It was yeah. just, it was a huge jump. So pretty young huge. family at that time or, or I'm, well, I'm, no, um, my, my daughter and, and son that be, uh, to 11 and 12 this year. Um, you know, a lot of credit to my wife, obviously, um, for taking a real leap. It was a, it was a bit of a pay cut, but it was something that I really wanted to do because the, the passion had really been ignited in London and Guam especially, and, and it's what I loved to do, building baseball programs. And again, a lot of people don't do it, Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of contacts in baseball, and I wanted to bring everything to bear and see what could be done. And, uh, you know, it's one of the most gorgeous countries in the world, as we all know, and and, and so we took a little bit of a gamble, and, and it's uh, – you know, I, knock, knock on wood, it's 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 paid off. There's been a lot of people have treated us really well here, and we've 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 said the things that we said we would do, we've done, and so we have credibility in the country, even though we're still not rugby or or cricket yet. <laughs> but you know, we, we, it's gone well thus far. Thus yeah. far. Well, I could totally imagine you know being in your mindset back then when when there's this opportunity and you've you you've developed all these skills. Uh, administrative skills and the, the ability mm-hmm. to build up a baseball program and then combined with the contacts that you've made th- with MLB uh, mm-hmm. and then just throw in the fact that New Zealand's a gorgeous country and baseball programs just waiting to to explode I think it exactly. all, I think all the stars <laughs> aligned there for you and I, I don't blame you at all for making that jump and taking that risk and and looks like it's paying off so uh, that was 2009 so you yeah. know uh, I know that it, obviously since you've been there, it's exploded exponentially. What do you attribute? You know, I know you can go into probably a ton of detail on all the things that you've done since you've been there. But what do you think the the major thing, the differences are, or the major things that you put in place uh, are, are behind that uh, exponential growth? Well, I think we put it. I think we put in place a level of professionalism. We do have. I, I think the way I say it is, we we've had just enough talent. Play, players, coaches, administrators in the club level. Uh, you know, uh, Scott Campbell's here from the Toronto Blue Jays, and you know now we've got Ricky Pawai back from the from the San Diego Padres, and we upskilled a bunch of the young guys through the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, with Steve Klein and Daryl Evans. We've always just had enough talent to project positively and show what the ceiling or that there is no ceiling for this country. The potential of this country is so vast to be great in baseball. And unlike Australia, our neighbor to the West, the, you know where they compete with Australian rules football and cricket is massive, it, this country has a real opening in the summer because really this country's about rugby and rugby league and rugby sevens and everything rugby. New Zealand is a rugby nation mm-hmm. before it is anything else, even though there's a lot of sailors here, great athletes in so many different sports. But there's a real opening in baseball that doesn't exist perhaps in other countries. And if you look at it, everyone in this country has swung a bat or thrown a ball when they were young. 
So everyone's played softball in school and cricket. And so everyone can swing a bat. Everyone can throw a ball. The body types here with the Maori and the Pacific Islanders, yeah. you know, the, the Fijians, the Tongans, the Samoans are, you know, some of the best sports bodies in the world. Yeah. And they've never really been tapped into when it comes to the sport of baseball, like they have maybe with the American Samoans and football, NFL football, and with rugby, of course, and other sports, Olympic sports, um, weightlifting, but they've never been tapped into for baseball. So, you know, we're really the key up into the islands, too. We're kind of the linchpin driving up into the islands that Australia isn't even that, really. They're more, um, you know, in, in Australia, it's actually more, Caucasians. They've done a great job, but, you know, uh, the, the body types aren't as diverse as they are here. And every time a scout comes here, they say, well, look at these big, you know, 13 year olds, six foot six, 13 year olds, yeah. you know, and and it, it's just, you know, and again, the softball population. A lot of my buddies uh, in, are in softball and in baseball and softball. And we're, you know, we're trying to bring that together to the best of our ability. There's some people that don't want that to happen, but uh, there's many that do. And, uh, you know, just for pathways for kids, you, you know, alone, it, it makes sense like the rest of the world. And, you know, a lot of these guys are baseball guys. You know, my buddies in softball, they just like my buddies in, in base in our baseball community, they wear, you know, will be sitting at their house and they'll be wearing, you know, Dodgers gear, watching baseball on ESPN and playing baseball video games, their children and, you know, I you know I always say, what's wrong with this picture? Why aren't we doing this again? So basically, you have a whole segment of the population that knows the game, yeah. that have played fast pitch softball. You're talking tens of thousands of people who, a lot of them know that they could be great in baseball, or if they're 45 or 50 or 60, they know they would have been great in baseball, yeah. but they were playing our cousin sport. And so you, you, you basically what I've said to the Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Diego Padres in Major League Baseball and Walt Jockety and the Reds and Chuck Armstrong and the Mariners, I've said this could be the largest migration to the sport of baseball in the history of international baseball, but with kids and families who already know the game and who already excel really at the key tenets of the game and skill sets of the game. And it's just a rare alignment of the stars. Once again, the prime minister's son is a baseball player, Max Key. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're close to Australia. Same, we have a, a large Korean and Japanese population in the same similar time zone as those Asian countries. Powers, baseball powers. Mm -hmm. So you're really talking about five or six things that make this like a dreamscape yeah. for you know, like a dreamland for what could evolve here if we have the necessary resources to build a legitimate baseball program. And, and we feel if we do, and this year is a very crucial year, if we can put a few things in place, including a national stadium, that the whole field of dreams, if you build it, they will come. Sounds kind of corny, but it's very, very true mm -hmm. in New Zealand. Very, very true, we believe. Yeah, I, I, well, I've witnessed that firsthand just here in a small town of 8,000 in Atnangpukheim, Austria, where they built a brand new stadium in, in 2008, 2009. And mm -hmm. uh, the, membership, um, the membership enrollment just you know, increased substantially. It, it became the home of the, the national team here in Austria. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and then, not too too long after, what followed is uh, Atnang won a bid for uh, the the Baseball Tomorrow Fund through MLB, and uh, they sure. and Baseball Tomorrow Fund contributed some money towards uh, uh, a new youth field in Atnang. So, so within a, a four or five year period, we have two brand new baseball fields, and and a ton of people are coming out from all around. So, yeah, so well, I, real. I, I, I'm it's a, a great game. Yeah, it's a great game. You know, we know, we know, we know that. We know that if, if, uh, and you know, here too, David, you know, the, the, there's no barrier with language. It's a safe place to, to live and play, you know, and, and it's a healthy community, you know, and, and so add all of that up and, and it's very enticing even for major league teams to put their players in Australia and New Zealand during the ABL season to get their winner at bats. Well, that's just, you, you know, know you so play year round there, you know, and that's, that's the disadvantage that the European, the, the European countries have is you just can't play year round and you can uh, attract these MLB guys to, to come over and, 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 uh, you know, kind of give that star effect, you know? So it's, it's, that's one huge advantage you have there in New Zealand. I think it's a big one. I think Germany, you know, uh, what I've heard in the last few years with my MLB buddies is, you know, Brazil's rising up with Barry Larkin doing a good job with their WBC team and, and, um, the, the, the catcher with the Indians who's a catcher first baseman or, and that, that rose up as their first professional major leaguer. And, you know, we came pretty damn close too with Scott Campbell was at AAA with the Blue Jays and then had three hip surgeries and was out of baseball, unfortunately. And Travis Wilson, was um, that 19-year-old kid that was seen by the Braves and made it all the way to AAA as a 19-year-old fast-pitch softball player made it all the way to AAA telling you how good that kid was to be 19 and had never played baseball, never had seen a curveball in his life to advance all the way to AAA. And if you look at our WBC team, our starting catcher, a pitcher, the third baseman, Daniel Lamb Hunt, they were softball players. And if you look at the, one of the pitchers, Sam Bishop, um, his brother Bo was signed by the Boston Red Sox and had never played baseball before. And Sam um, won, a, won a, a major award in Australia at an under-21 tournament a year and a half ago and then pitched in the World Baseball Classic um, against Taiwan a, a year and change ago. Now, that that kid had never played baseball before and learned his slider, which is an incredible pitch, mm-hmm. by watching videos on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. there's there's nowhere that that happens yeah. that way. And then they're signed or playing in the WBC literally days later or months later because they're such great athletes and they played something so similar that they can translate those skills over. It's not like coming from soccer or rugby, you know, and, and, and believe me, we want those kids too, but we just have to get them a little bit earlier, yeah. you know, obviously. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you kind of get the soccer leftovers at the young, at the young age here in Austria here. And, uh, right. You're always competing, but, uh, more and more, we're starting to pull some of these, these, you know, highly athletic better at a young age. And, and, uh, yep. It's just not easy to do. Uh, I, I was out at the basketball practice, the youth basketball practice, the other day, and I'm trying to get some of these basketball kids to come out and play baseball. And there's this kid. I, I, I swore he's about 16, and, and he's six foot tall, and he's built. And and, uh, and I started pitching baseball to him, and, and I asked him how old he is, and he said he's 13. And 
And uh, but he didn't seem too interested, so it's not easy to win these kids over. But uh, I no, think the no, more you can we're, kind we're, of show them what's capable, what's possible, and if you have some of those local role models that you can kind of have them look up to, then then the better your chances are of pulling them over. Well, a lot, a lot of it is a lot of a lot of it is you know step by step by step, you know incremental. Um, but I think it's important to say that we've aimed for the home run on several things, right? I mean, we we wrote a letter. Wrote a letter to Curtis Granderson, and his trip brought major media, both internationally and and domestically, yeah. to our baseball program, and showed people that we were coming. I mean, we've been pretty bold. You know, we're going after a stadium. We got in the World Baseball Classic within 18 months after I arrived, yeah. and we weren't ranked. and And so you have to be a little bold and believe in what you're doing and speak. You know, you want to back up your words, of course, or you have no credibility. Yeah. But if you, you know, for, for me, I, I aimed at, at items that I believe we could have, you know, I knew that we had players around the world. We had just enough to be able to play good ball if we brought in good coaches and had a few of our key players playing good baseball. Yeah. And so, and we did, you know, that was really our coming out party, you know, and it, and it's led, it's led to some big things. It's led to next week. If you look on our Facebook page, we have a, um, a former major leaguer from Japan, pitcher um, Shimizu, who's flying out with his agent and is looking at retiring in New Zealand just wow. to help us build baseball. Well, I think that's one of the advantages you have there is is not just the recent growth, but you know it's a beautiful country and it's appealing to a lot of people either that's like right. Curtis Grandison to come visit and promote the game. That's right, and, and you know. And uh, so that, that's a huge advantage there too. So things are looking on the up and up there for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have a lot. Make mo- no mistake, we have a lot of work to do. And you know, Auckland is our hub, and and you know, it's growing nicely here. But growing it outside of Auckland is still difficult with two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. You know, and and trying to build kind of a um, you know a sonic boom. In each of these other regions and cities, you know, uh, a grand um, fireworks show of baseball players. So, you know, you get a group of kids starting to play and a group of families in a small town on the South Island. They're excited. But who do they play when most of the baseball is in Auckland? Now, it's had starting in Wellington and Hawke's Bay. Christchurch has seen four clubs this year rise up and two are softball clubs. But you still have to kind of create a big bang and give them hope and 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 try to get as much resources down to them to show them that that we believe as a country that they'll rise up and, and try to equip their coaches because you've got a lot of softball and rugby dads and cricket dads coming over needing to learn. And that's difficult. You've got to upskill guys very quickly who haven't played the game when they were young. And so you, that's a huge hurdle to overcome. And, and right now, this is good probably for your listeners. The goal would be to put a, a young, young foreign coach, if we don't have them domestically, and, and sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, in every one of the major centers around the country is our goal. Yeah. That's yeah. our goal. Uh, that is that does kind of segue to what I my, one of my questions because I know a lot of them are wondered. Now we we talked about what you're looking for in, in that type of person, which is what you kind of touched on before. Someone that's 
a little bit uh, over the top, crazy, enthusiastic, uh, and yep. very, very yep. proactive with the, the with the right skill set, of course, um, um, to to motivate people and, and and get in there and and coaching ability, but not necessarily coaching experience. Um, but at, uh, I want to get more to the direct to the point. How many? foreign players or coaches I should say have you brought over this year approximately like how many opportunities are there currently and then we can kind of project that into the future well, we, what it could be we, clubs are bringing over players now and coaches and what's happening is they're bringing them over they're coming over on their own and then we've been able to incorporate them into our program and find them funds I mean we're still scrambling every day to, you know, I, I look at Nick Stanley as a kid that's come over to uh, Central City. He was from the Houston Astros organization. Uh, if you look on our website, we named him, uh, the board of directors and I named him as the hitting coach mm-hmm. for our first Ripken World Series team. Yeah. So you've got a kid from the States who came over for a club, you know, for a minimal amount of money and a promise for a little bit of money, a few thousand dollars here and there and a few thousand here and just to get, get to see the country. And because he's here in the right place at the right time, he's now going to be going back to America to the Ripken World Series, which is great for his resume, yeah. of course. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we want, too. We want it to be good for them. And if we can keep him here, great. I mean, you know, I've said to my board of directors in the next the next year or so, I'd like to have six or seven guys full time on the ground around the country, dotted around the country strategically. Yeah. And if every club, I know that the Auckland clubs, which is seven clubs right now, are all trying to put one or two coaches on the ground um, who will play and coach for the season, for a six month season. If it extends longer into off season workouts and more. Fantastic. Working in the schools during the day, working in high school baseball in the afternoon and clubs in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and maybe guiding national teams and little league teams and regional teams. Um, Now, some of the clubs will try to hire local because, you know, that's the the balance you're always trying to strike is talent coming in to lift up local talent. But as much as possible, trying to retain some of your guys who have gotten there, have gone to play college ball, who want to make this a career. Yeah. And, you know, or for even for a short period of time. And, and you've got to really balance that out with limited resources. Right. You want you want some of that to be retained here without a doubt. Some of that knowledge and, and experience. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think uh, I know some of these these more distant places like I believe you say Christchurch and I'm not familiar with all the all the regions in, within New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are there players out there coming in, or are they still kind of, is it all local talent right now? No, r- right now we're trying to find a good fit for Christchurch. We're talking to, the, I'm talking constantly to Canterbury Baseball Association down there and the four clubs trying to find a full-time person. Um, and that could be an American, a Canadian, anybody. Um, you know, and, and what we do, it's chicken and egg kind of thing, too. We, we identify someone that we want. And then we go after their funding. And we've done that a couple times, too. We're hiring uh, this week. It's, uh, it's not jumping ahead of an announcement. But um, Ricky Pawai, who pitched, he, he's, uh, he's Maori, and he, his family's from New Zealand. He pitched. He grew up in Australia. He was signed by the Padres and came up with Nick Hunley, played in the Padres organization for a couple years, and has come back after the WBC um, 
because I, I thought he did a great job for us. He worked well with kids when he was in um, in the preparations for the WBC. And now we're going to be hiring him full time, a full time contractor uh, this week, this coming week. Oh. He'll be our second full time coach. And so he he you know it could have been anybody, but he. Um, we ran into each other, obviously, with the WBC. He played for us, and, and we we talked, and this is what he wanted to do. And so sometimes, like with Owen and others, it's just, you know, Matt Mills. We had a Canadian coach, Matt Mills, who was fantastic. And he he kind of arrived when I arrived. And so he was the guy on the ground that was looking for something. Mm-hmm. And he did a great job and was a good baseball man. And so he was the guy that we chose. Yeah. So. You know, if you, I, I think I would suggest some of uh, your listeners to be a little aggressive, you know, in the sense of, look, I'll come out. I don't need much. I know the game's growing. I'll come out to see the country for four or five months. I've got a little bit saved. If you can take care of my airfare at a, at a club and I'll help coach and I'll play and we'll see what happens. And then, you know, and, and Baseball New Zealand with the Auckland Baseball Association and the club will all communicate about this young man yep. and try to find – more opportunities for him to stay longer and do some bigger things while he's here. I think that would be the best, the best piece of information or advice I could give right now. Yeah, uh, I, I 100% behind that piece of advice, and and also I, dating back to how this led, how this uh, developed to an, uh, a great international career for you is sometimes you just throw on that, that backpack and you just go see some of the world and just pack your baseball glove and, and do your research before and, and, and walk on. And if you show the right, you know, the right amount of, uh, um, passion and desire along with some skill set, then you can, you can work your way in. So as long as you come in with, with no expectations and, and, a, and a ton of heart and, and some hard work, it's, of course you need some of your own funding behind that. But uh, a, li- a little, a little bit, a little bit. You don't need too much, you know. I mean, the, you know, this is what I've done in other places. Again, this was a this was a job that I came to, but it didn't. You know, it wasn't. You know, not getting wealthy, obviously, in New Zealand baseball. Um, but it, it um, you're right. I mean, you know, when you're when you're right out of college or professional baseball and you're 23, 24 years old, what do you really have to lose, yeah. you know, to, to, to throw on that backpack and, and, and take a chance. And, um, you know, I, I, the more, the more players we see coming over, young guys coming over to play and coach, that's, that's fantastic for the game of baseball, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and we've actually been very successful in getting our kids to college and kids getting signed and going to play independent and semi-pro ball. So we actually need those kids. Like I said to you last time, the more of them who are pitchers, yeah. middle infielders and catchers, the better right now, obviously, yeah. um, who can really fill a void on the field as the game rises up as a player, but also come out with an open attitude about, um, you know, coaching all grades, yeah. you know, being open to go coach in any school, being open to coach any national team, being, you know, from five to 18 yeah. really is what a, a young man should be thinking. I can coach any age grade and I, you know, I'll just jump in. And remember the first five or six years of a kid's development in baseball, a lot of us would rather just have a passionate young man, just talk, you know, the love of the game and the foundation. Yeah. And the the skill set doesn't have to be that incredibly high. You, you know, you know what I mean. You don't need Joe Torre or Joe Girardi here to teach 
six-year-olds. You just need someone who loves the game, wants to get them into the game, because really the, the future of New Zealand baseball and baseball all around the world in these startup countries yeah. is going to be kids loving it from an early age like we did in America and Canada, Japan, Korea, Cuba, Dominican Republic, and then sticking with it and demanding it. We want it. You know, and we love it, and we love the, the ebb and flow of the game, and we love the pathways that are available in college ball, professional ball, WBC, going to the Little League World Series, the Ripken World Series. There's things that baseball can offer a young man that no sport could ever offer yeah. if you add it all up together, yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I think in addition, you, you, you know, you, I think it's more than just a, a willingness to, to work with kids. I think you need to have a want, a, 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 some kind Agreed. of passion to work with kids too and watch them develop, you know, and, and because uh, I, I know there's a number of guys on my site that are, are looking to go play baseball and they're thinking play, play, play baseball, see the world. But I mean, the more you start changing that mind frame to coaching kids and seeing the world and playing a bit as well, uh, I think the more you're heading in the right direction too. Well, I've, I've run into that too, David, with some young men that have come out. You know, we don't want to really coach. You know, just want to play. And I'm like, well, with you know, we're we're still kind of a startup country in its infancy, and you know, playing's a part of it. I'd like you to do both. You know, and I. I'd recommend stay open-minded. I mean, roll with it. Yeah. You know, roll with the punches and, and see where it takes you. And, and I, like I always say to young people who talk to me, you know, I've, I've traveled to a lot of places and, you know, just keep an open mind. And what do you have to lose? Yeah. If it doesn't work out, you just go home, you know, and, you, and, you, and, and you're still only 23 years old and healthy and then go on your next journey, yeah. you know, and stop in Australia or Fiji on your way back and, and have, a, have a great time. You know, there, there's a lot out there, but you've got to, you know, do a little bit of homework and contact a few people and then take a chance yep. and, and go have some fun. It's just all a big adventure, really. Yeah, I, w I wish. Yeah, I, I, I did the Fiji Australia tour uh, in 1999 with my backpack. And I never packed my glove, and I've been regretting that ever since. <laughs> because yeah, that's right. I, I that's that's really... right. You should have. That's true. <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, I, I know you've you've. It's late there right now, and you got a big day tomorrow. So if I, you know, and we're working on an hour here right now. So I just have one final question that I don't think requires yeah, yeah. Uh, much of an in-depth answer. Uh, have sure. you learned? Have you learned the haka yet? You know, my son. Uh, has learned the haka, and my daughter's danced with the po po uh, the po poi balls or whatever they call them. She was doing hula in Washington State. Now, uh, we, and we designed our own haka for the World Baseball Classic. I don't know if you know that, but you no, can I find don't. it. Type in Major League Baseball and haka from the WBC, and you'll see the haka that was designed and created by a Maori elder from Wellington. And it's a beautiful story. It's a baseball-specific haka. It's the first and only one of its kind ever. Yeah, I found it. And it's on MLB.com right now. Yeah, I've um, seen it on YouTube here too. And it looks uh, just the, the the snapshot there. It looks pretty cool. You can see all these guys lined up behind home plate. It's a it's an amazing, powerful thing, you know, to see the guys. And it's really not even to the other team. It's more. It, it, it pumps up our athletes and puts them in the right frame of mind. Sure. And, and obviously the meaning, if you dive deep into the meaning and, and, and the past of New Zealand and the Maori past and the, the first people who were here, you know, the, the depth of that and, and to see it bring tears to people's eyes and the passion that it brings to represent their oh, yeah. country. Yeah. It's an absolute beautiful thing when it's done by a group of young men 
who understand what it means and, and feel it and believe it, it's it's powerful. And what they used to say is, this is what I've heard, it was done by warring tribes over here, clans fighting years ago, and they would do it on the battlefield. And some guys were so fierce that they would they would do the haka or whatever, you know, at that time what they called the haka. And the, the, the group they were going to fight, the tribe or the clan they were going to fight, and I'm not obviously an expert on everything New Zealand, but they would just run. <laughs> it was so they would just take – that's enough. We don't, we don't want to have anything to do with that. But it is – it can be ferocious and it can be uh, absolutely spine-tingling. And, yeah. you know, I've been proud to be associated with it. And, and, you know, now we have a baseball one that hopefully will last forever. You know, and that you'll see in more WBCs and Olympics and yep. the Rip, you'll see it in the Ripken World Series on CBS Sports, hopefully, yeah. uh, in August. Yeah, that's that's great. And it sounds like maybe you started tradition there that that just, uh, you know, is going to just create more, uh, more, put more eyes on baseball in New Zealand, too. So well, that's what we hope. It's just a snowball rolling down the hill. Right. It just keeps, you know, it's a game of momentum right now, David. And, and the more wins we can put up on the board with kids being successful, going to college, mm-hmm. you know, some big victories, building a stadium, getting getting some great coaching on the ground, um, that all comes together into a, into a world-class baseball program. Yep. That's the ingredients. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. You know, this was a great second interview, and I know the first one is, is catching on like wildfire on my website. Had a, had a lot of plays lately, so right, I expect right. the same from this one. So good luck to you the rest of the appreciate season. It. And, uh, have, yeah. have, anybody, have anybody contact us at any time, and we can talk through things and give options here or in Australia, any or contacts in Australia. Maybe we can help out there too. Perfect. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. And, uh, All right, David. We'll be in touch down the road. Sounds good. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Powered by Middle Punk Media, your sports marketing agency. We put sports center stage. That wraps up episode number 21. I want to thank Ryan for taking the time of his day to meet with me once again and tell us about his pretty cool story, how he accidentally fell into baseball, though he tried not to. He tried to, to pursue a career in journalism. Uh, his passion for baseball kept leading him back to the game, and uh, his desire uh, to volunteer and help out was the driving force behind his success, and, and that led him to his current role as CEO. And uh, props to him for taking that chance and moving his family over to New Zealand. That's a huge step. And, uh, yeah, good for him. Look where he is now. And uh, the rest of you can do the same. You just need to get your hands dirty and be willing to volunteer and, uh, you know, work for little pay. And uh, things will pay off. So, uh, once again, there's uh, another positive story. Uh, reflecting back on some of my previous guests, uh, episode I believe number three was Chris Edwards. Uh, you know, Chris Chris's international baseball career is over. However, uh, I know that he had an experience of a lifetime as he took full advantage of his time uh, playing baseball in Austria and saw pretty much every country that uh, Europe has to offer. So that, I'm sure that changed his life forever. And then you look at Dennis Kelly, who played in Australia and in France, and uh, so you know, within one year he was 
on the beaches in Australia and then the beaches in France. And, uh, you know, some great memories were created there. Owen Ozenich took his game to France because he has French heritage and he got to play with the French national team uh, in the WBC qualifier. So, uh, you know, think of the memories that that guy has. And then there's Owen Reed. He's in, he's in Australia now. He's been there a few years uh, in the Perth Heat organization in Western Australian baseball. So he has a career behind the scenes, and that all started as a player coach coming over to Europe, uh, to Austria, in fact. So, uh, you know, just one thing leads to another, and, and he uh, he made his way there just through through networking and talking to people and uh, building his re- resume. So. Uh, and then Chris Metzger, uh, I've interviewed him uh, early early on in one of the earlier podcast episodes, I believe number four or five. Uh, and Chris started off in France. And then since that episode, he's taken his career to the Netherlands. And now for 2014, he just signed on in Germany. Uh, I just interviewed him. Uh, we'll have his podcast episode up and running pretty soon. So who knows where it's going to take him. But I, I'm sure that his career has taken him from France to the Netherlands to Germany uh, by by meeting people and getting his, his name out there. So so take advantage. Uh, listen to the do's that I said and the don'ts that I said. Take them seriously. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to you in the upcoming season. Thanks for listening.